You're listening to the What Do You Actually Do podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview, a useful tip or encouraging message to help you find your place in the professional world. Hello and welcome to this episode of What Do You Actually Do? My name is Kate Morris and I'll be your host today. And today we're joined by Dr. Hannah Gregg, who works as a historical advisor and also a lecturer at the University of York in the Department of History. So, Hannah, what do you actually do? I think I describe myself as a professional academic historian. So I have a university job and I teach and research here at the University of York. Um, And I specialise in 18th century British history. But um, as part of that work, because of the nature of my expertise, I also consult regularly for film, television and and productions, mostly um, period dramas. So the kinds of things you might see on Sunday nights on the BBC. So how did you break into that? Um, I think it was luck, to be honest. Uh, About 10 years ago now, I did my first um, role as a consultant for a film called The Duchess um, that was set in 18th century England um, and starred Keira Knightley as the Duchess of Devonshire. So that was quite a a leap into this whole new world Mm. for me. Um, And then after that, I started to work quite regularly for BBC Productions. Um, So I've worked with Poldark for the past five series. Um, other dramas like Death Comes to Pemberley, Gunpowder that was on last year, Jamaica Inn. Um, I've worked for those. Um, and then we have a new film as well that's coming out uh, this year um, in the US and in the UK called The Favourite, which is set okay. in Court of Queen Anne. So another film again more recently. But um, it was really just on the basis of being an expert in the time period that these dramas are set in. Um, and so I was approached by the productions for being on the basis of that expertise. So you don't go out and pitch your services to production companies. They, as part of their research, are finding, oh, who's an expert in this field and come to you? Yes, they usually um, seek out people who have a specialism in the field that they're interested in and that the drama is set in. So um, I don't have an agent who's seeking work Mm. for me um, in the industry um, I think there are experts who work in that capacity, um, but more often it's a case of production saying, well, our drama is set in, um, you know, 1850s um, France, so let's ask around some academics to find out who's expert in the field, and you get drawn into productions in that way. So I often recommend other colleagues for dramas and that are not my area of specialism. Um, and increasingly I think productions are seeking out the kind of highest quality specialist expertise that they can find to help um, underpin their dramas because we expect high quality now particularly Mm. from our television productions as well there's bigger budgets attached to them they often have a cinematic element to them Um, and that requires a high level of investment in research and um, pre-production planning so there's more space there for a consultant to to play a role. So talk me through the sort of the key elements of the role. When you when one of these jobs comes in, what happens? Um, well, it varies from production to production, depending on the director, the producer, and what it is that they're looking for. But um, in general terms, um, we'll often be speaking to production 
at least a few months before filming, sometimes years, depending on the production. Um, We'll be looking at the scripts during development. Um, So at whatever point the production feels they want to think carefully about the historical content, then they will be sending materials to me. Um, I will read scripts. Um, I'll do things like look for anachronisms, Mm. so things that don't sit very comfortably with me as a historian. Um, I'll also try and suggest details and elements which might only be evident to someone who's got a richer understanding of the period. So how can we work in smaller details to make it feel like a world that is informed by its own time? Um, And one of the things that we try and do with visual dramas in particular on television and film is create a meaningful world where all of the elements come together. And sometimes it's the smaller details that can really help um, can you give me an example that. of that? What what kind of small detail? Um, well, it could be things, simple things like um, in a market scene, uh, you know, you might expect to see some food products or yeah. some textiles, but actually if we can make them as precise as possible. So in an 18th century street, you might see a rat catcher carrying um, kind of... Um, traps to to catch um, rats in. You might see people begging on the street who have particular kinds of um, aspects of their characters that tell us something about the time. So injured soldiers returning from the Napoleonic Wars Mm. or um, elements like that that help communicate time and place um, in in smaller details as well as in the ways in which um, the story unfolds. Um, And I think that my... I always say with to productions that I always see my role as not simply you know, being chief complainer or kind of chief, um, you know, pedant um, in the production. But it's about trying to make sure that everyone involved in the production can make choices about what they're doing rather than mistakes. So quite often we identify something as perhaps being problematic from a historical point of view, but we retain it and keep it in Mm. because it's valuable for other reasons. And I am totally supportive of that as a production choice, but it's always important as a choice not done by accident and that's what I see my role as is making sure that it's a decision making process rather than just doing things by accident (laughs) because I can imagine some people might approach the role going "Eh, you wouldn't have had those shoes then or they just didn't have pineapples back in those days get it off sec and it's sort of telling people what not to do and I guess real strong communication with costume departments set departments all of that kind of stuff so you all understand where you're coming from and it's not a last minute yeah it's about having good communication skills Mm. and being making yourself accessible and um, welcoming and friendly in terms of how you communicate levels of expertise and also I think to counter the idea that uh, people judge dramas on the basis of just accuracy is that right or wrong you know we're very quick now on Twitter and in social media whenever a period drama comes on television say oh my goodness we wouldn't have had that or that costume slightly the wrong colour or um, they would never have said that and you know, that, that might well be the case, but that's not the sum of the kind of decision-making processes involved in, in making a drama. And mm. I think whatever role you play in that kind of production process, you need to recognise that it is a, it's a whole product, that there's a whole story that needs to be told and a whole world that needs to be created. And history is a part of that. Mm. And the way in which you can make that historical content as rich as possible is to... Well, firstly, make yourself accessible, but also to participate in the process as early as possible. Because if if the history becomes useful to the production, then it can have a greater value as the kind of process begins to unfold. So 
do you get to go on set sometimes? And if so, <laughs> excuse me, what's the sort of best and worst things about being on set? Yeah, I do. I do get to go on set, um, which is fun and exciting. I like uh, all of the equipment and the kind of thrill of seeing a world um, unfolding. Um, I I don't go on as much as I used to. Or if I haven't done a drama for a while, I tend to be on set more, and then I and then the novelty wears off quite quickly. I mean, they're they're very busy places. Um, everyone is working incredibly hard, and actually, being on set is not the place where you want a historian saying, "Oh." Yeah. this is wrong because there's actually nothing you can do about it at that point your kind of role is you're too late to the game mm. if you're already on set and spotting things you need to put that process in much much earlier but I like to go on set because it reminds me of the complexity of the process that everyone is involved with um, it reminds me about the kind of work that other people do in, within a drama mm. and of course it is just exciting to, to kind of participate in a different world for a while and you know you can't complain if you're having a cup of coffee with Aidan Turner and have- so that's it sounds exciting but let's get to the real heart of this who's the best celebrity you've spotted on set then well I've been lucky to work on some pretty successful dramas and um so, I, you know, it's been a great privilege to meet some of the cast and also the crew who've been involved in these productions. Um, so from the Duchess, we had some very big name uh, cast involved with that, um, Keira Knightley and Dre Fiennes. And I think for a long time, my favourite story was the time when Ray Fiennes phoned me when I was in Oxford NMS to check a detail and I was picking up my ready meals or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, obviously Poldark has now got very, you know, yeah. high profile cast involved and um, a film that's coming out soon, The Favourite, um, has some three very strong female leads, um, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss, and um, Emma Stone. And, um, you know, I do feel incredibly privileged to see people mm. who are very good at their job working in a way that they work very well. And I'm always very humbled by the time and effort it takes to make these dramas. Um, and for all of the cast and crew involved, they're often on set for 12 hour days wow. for many, many weeks, many months of the year. They work incredibly hard and it is a very important creative process for them. And how are you treated on set? Do they sort of see you as a hindrance or a help? I mean, earlier you were saying you try to do it as a, a partnership, communicating and sharing ideas, but does it ever feel a bit different to that? I, I try to keep out of the way and out of trouble as much as possible <laughs> incredibly busy so I'm usually to be found near the catering uh, and drinking coffee and having a chat to the fireman or something just trying to keep out of the way um, but um, I think that I'm always struck that um, you know media productions are incredibly collaborative mm-hmm. uh, and everyone knows what their job involves and they try to deliver it as quickly as possible and so you want to facilitate that rather than hinder it and you know I think as I said earlier usually being on set is the last place where you want to make big historical interventions everything should have sort of been put in into place prior to that um but it can be useful sometimes if I'm floating around on set to answer questions when they pop up or I like having just little chats about history Mm. with people um you know and, and lots of the cast and crew are often interested in finding out more information and it gives them an opportunity to ask those questions informally Um, because there isn't much time in the run-up to these things. So you said before that the productions that you work on tend to relate directly to your research interests. Do you have to have a PhD and be a professional academic in order to break into this kind of work? 
I don't think you need a PhD and an academic background necessarily, but I do think it's useful to have a specialism. And um, most consultants that I know are drawn in on the basis of expert, a, a field of knowledge and a field of expertise. Um, and I think it's quite hard to forge a career sort of as a consultant without that sense of specialism, mm -hmm. because that is really what the production is investing in, is yeah. that kind of high level knowledge that they can't access in other ways. Um, so a friend of mine, a writer, Hallie Rubenhold, who writes a lot of 18th century books, she once described um, being a consultant as being the cherry on the top of the icing on top of the cake. It's the extra thing that you do alongside the other things that you have um, that mean that you're act active as a historian and specialist in a particular um, period of history. Um, but having said that, I mean, there's lots of opportunities for people with, um, you know, history degrees or other mm. humanities skills to work in the media. Um, lots of my students are interested in my, and taking my yeah. job. Um, <laughs> and although they can't necessarily have that, um, you know, they do often go into work uh, for productions, in production development um, and in other kind of research capacities as well. There's plenty of scope for clever, interesting people to um, to get work in, in that industry. And of course, now, you know, television drama in particular is having a real boon in terms of mm. how it's being funded and the new opportunities through Netflix and very kind of high budget dramas coming through commercial channels means that, um, you know, there's a lot of drama content and a lot of that is historical as well. We have a lot of period dramas being made. Um, they're very profitable to be made in Britain and then, mm. you know, sold around the world. Uh, so it is quite a substantial market, I think, and a place where, you know, students can carve a, a career for themselves. But but probably not necessarily in quite the way I do, which yeah. is just turning up every few months and talking a bit about history and then going off again. <laughs> so would but. you say your kind of historical advising, consultancy work, that's pretty niche and people who are interested in kind of historical drama, maybe documentaries, there's other ways they should look to break into the sector. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think my particular career pattern is fairly niche, but there are these other opportunities and there are production companies, of course, that really specialise yeah. in historical content. So if you think about the production companies like Wall to Wall, who make mm. things like Who Do You Think You Are? Um, they make the some of the reality TV show, history-based um, television shows as well. There are production companies that really focus in on historical content. So if you have a history degree, then I recommend you just send them your CV mm -hmm. and um, cold call those companies who seem to be investing in that kind of drama. Um, the producers of Poldark, Mammoth Screen, make mm -hmm. a range of other period dramas as well, including Victoria. Um, so, you know, when you're watching something on television, see who's made it. And if you loved it, write to them and tell them that you loved it and you'd love to come and ask them if they've got any work available or if you can you know try and get some kind of experience um and most of the production companies i know work on the basis of cold calling yeah. um door knocking still it is quite a kind of old-fashioned way of trying to break into the industry so what do you think the key challenges or opportunities will be for the sector over the next few years sort of thinking for students who might be considering this as a career area what should they be thinking about well, I think it's, um, you know, seeing how the kind of media industry has evolved over the last few years to see how 
the bigger budgets are now involved in television dramas as well. It used to mm. be that the, the the really glossy productions were only possible in film, and yeah. film had the budgets that meant you could really do period drama as well, and it was hard to do on television. But that has changed now, and also just the nature of television technology means that we, you know, we can create cinematic quality yeah. on television much more readily than we could, um, you know, kind of when I when I started out um, in this field. Um, so I think television has lots of opportunities now. I think that. Actually, game technology is one of the places mm. that we'll see as a big boom. There's a lot of um, kind of history-based games in development um, yeah. that's seen as a very big market. Um, issues of accuracy and storytelling that we have in film and television are evident as well in, in gaming. Mm. Um, so I would expect that to be emerging as a kind of yeah. new field of work um, for consultants and for people with history expertise being drawn into that kind of into that multimedia um, platforming as well. Great, that sounds very exciting. <laughs> and a whole new podcast that we could do around gaming. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been really helpful. Um, we've got some resources that we'll be sharing with students uh, to help research this area more. And I think you've mentioned you've got some places that you would recommend. So just check our website for details. But thanks again, Hannah. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us this week on What Do You Actually Do? This episode was hosted by myself, Kate Morris, edited by Raquel Bartra and produced by both of us. If you love this podcast, spread the word and subscribe. Are you eager to get more tips? Follow University of York Careers and Placements on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. All useful links are in this episode description. This has been produced at the University of York Careers and Placements. For more information, visit york.ac.uk forward slash careers.